Hello everyone, welcome to Healthline 3, I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking with Dr. Antonio Pizarro of Willis-Knighton Pelvic and Reconstructive GYN Surgery. We're talking about patients and, and what they can expect before and after women's health surgery. So we're gonna fill in some of the gaps of things you might not even know to ask. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show. And as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down so we can be sure and hear your questions. And the number to call is 318-219-4569 and you'll see it little bit later and throughout the show at the bottom of your screen. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Pizarro. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure, a pleasure to be here. Oh, always a pleasure when we get to talk to you. Thank you so much. So we've talked all morning at 6 a.m. with Nate, and then you and I just talked a few minutes ago about elective surgery. And you and I talked right before we had to close to get ready for this was that um, if, if someone was affected maybe during the pandemic when elective surgery was something that kind of fell yeah, like you said, it wasn't the law wasn't the right thing to say, but it was one of the restrictions that right. came up. Um, what can we say to someone and in, in, in about elective surgery first, what that means and what happened, and if someone was affected by that, if they could call in maybe and ask you some questions? Right. Well, as far as the the, the challenge we had with uh, during the depths of the pandemic, when it, when things were really uncertain and when resources were so limited, it was difficult to tell a patient we can't do your surgery. But also, we had the, the fact that resources were limited, the, 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 the extent to which the disease might be transmitted during hospital yeah. stay was also unknown in, in many ways. Most patients, when I had to cancel surgeries at that time or, or reschedule them, were very understanding. In fact, that was my experience, although I, I wasn't a patient and I can only imagine what they were really feeling sometimes. My, I guess my best answer during that time was that we had to do the best we could. Now, in general, an elective surgery is something that can be scheduled or maybe put, put off. That's very different from an emergency surgery and most of us have a sense of what an emergency surgery is, and there are definitions of these, but really the way I like to think of an emergency is this surgery should be done now or certainly within the next 24 hours, preferably now within the next three, four hours, or this patient might lose their life or lose function of a very important, of, of any, of an organ or lose a limb. I don't do that kind of, I don't do <laughs> limb work, but you, you see my point. But it's the same thing, point. yeah, with what you're dealing with. Precisely, right. and so, or, or and, and in between is what we call an urgent surgery. This is a surgery that, you know, we can't schedule for, you know, after my daughter's wedding, you know, or wait till school's out. No, when, this needs to be done, maybe not now, but urgent means, you know, we gotta get this going in the next 24, 48 hours. So we, and, and during the pandemic, uh, it was left up to the physician's discretion, of course, because we know the patient, but also there had to be that discussion with the patient about how do you feel about this? You know, you have this procedure planned, we're gonna do a hysterectomy or whatever, and we, you might have to wait six months now. We don't know, how, how's it, how do you feel about that? In my experience, patients were very understanding because they knew what, what we were going through at the time. And I love that you said that because, yeah, everyone that I knew that had to do that were very understanding and even appreciative. I think a lot of patients really saw um, how protective that was. They were being protective. Look, you don't really have to have this right now. It's not time sensitive. So we don't know what's going on in the hospitals right now. We don't know what's going on. So let's wait if you feel okay with that because you can wait. So I think that was the greatest thing, the greatest service that you told me. You, you just let them know you can. I'm telling you, you can wait if you feel better waiting on this. That's a good point. It's, yeah. it's important for the physician to say, look, if you wait three months or if you wait a month, I think medically you'll be okay and try to reassure the patient. And also when we put it from the standpoint of resources, I would often mention 
mentioned to patients, look, if I'm in the middle of your surgery and we do it next week and we're, you know, we may not know in the middle of the surgery, I might ask for some equipment that's not available. You don't want that on a surgery that we could have postponed. Likewise, if we're doing a surgery for a patient, and I put it to them this way, if we're doing your surgery and we're using equipment for you for your uh, elective surgery and then down the hall is someone that is in dire straits because of COVID infection and they don't have this, put yourself in their position. So there was, all, there was room to discuss those things as well. And I think with what we all experienced in, uh, a couple of years ago, especially, there was, there was a, a clear understanding of that among us. I think that's such a good point to bring up too keep asking the questions because if you ask and you just say well my doctor said I, I don't I can't have it and you go home and you still wonder that's never the case if you go home feeling that that's what you were told with some negative feelings go back and ask your doctor because that is really not how your doctor wants you to feel that's really what's going on and we have a caller right now okay so we have Carolyn Carolyn thanks for calling what is yes, your question hi okay I saw doctor I thought calling dr. Pizzerio. <laughs> But I saw him some years back, and uh, I, I need a total uh, reconstruction. I have a total prolapse, and it was going to be such a long surgery, and I was hoping it would be some improvement. You know, maybe not as long, because I have fibromyalgia, and I can't lie very long. It nearly kills me. But it, I'd love to talk to him and see if things have changed. He has... He's like me. He's he's got gray hair now. I see. <laughs> Very dapper he too. We totally, might add. He was, he was yeah. totally black hair. <laughs> must, must have been a few years. Yeah. Well, this is probably one of those good situations we were talking about earlier. Give her the number to your office and come in and talk to you. Sure. So that it is more private and she can tell you about everything. So that, you want to do that? Right. He, he gave he gave me a card and i tried to call that number and i can't get anymore well we've got an updated number for you what's your phone number okay. dr Mazzaro? yeah it might have been if you we i have a new office at willis knight in piermont now for the past oh. for the past five years so maybe that's well tell him dr Pizzerio, you was a little old thin fellas and totally black-headed <laughs> when i saw he, you he last. can hear you he can hear you so and, and dr Pizzerio, you had told me that it was going to be like a seven-hour procedure. Okay. And and I have fibromyalgia really bad, and right. oh, surgeries nearly kill me. It's like threefold. Well, that's where we. That's important because uh, I don't know if seven hours is is uh, is a number I would quote routinely, but I, I will uh -huh. say that sometimes surgeries can be long. And if a patient has a condition like fibromyalgia and she's concerned about the amount of pain she might have after surgery, if it's an elective surgery, I think she mentioned she had a, a prolapse. Prolapse. Almost 100 percent of. I have I have a total prolapse. To total prolapse. Okay. Doctor. That's a condition that almost always is as far as surgery goes it's considered elective not always but almost always so if it's been a okay. few years then that suggests that uh, rescheduling a visit coming in is, and we're going to talk about the office visit in a bit I think but in any event having a, a proper evaluation well, I feel like I feel like this is a God-given opportunity for me it really is and so we're going to give you that phone number and he's going to give you the current uh, okay. phone number right now and you write it down and then you can probably okay. even call the office while we're online and call them and, or after we're through it. Okay. So you watch us and then after the helpline three, you call That's the office. Right. Okay, what's that? You ready? That's right. Here's the I, number. Okay, yes, the num I am. The number is 318-212-3680. Mm -hmm. 
And that's okay. probably different Thank from what so when much. I had black hair. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Nice looking guy. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for calling. Well, there you go. There's a, there's a patient for you right there to come back. And it's nice that we could do that, too, that they can revisit and find out and want to come right back to you. And she didn't give up. She, the number had changed since she wanted to talk to you. And so here you are. Well, and I think the important thing is when a patient has a condition that, that can treat it, be treated with surgery. Yeah. The vast majority of the time it's going to be elective in my practice. And so if that changes, I always encourage patients, call me if something else comes up. If, if you think that now it's changed to an emergency, then we need to reassess and, and replan. Likewise, if a patient's having an elective surgery and it's something that can be postponed, she might say, look, you know, my surgery's next month, but it turns out I've got, I'm moving. Or, you know, I have patients who are in the military who redeploy mm -hmm. and they say, you know, I really need my surgery right before I leave town from the mil for my, my I or my, my uh, husband or partner is, is or, or wife is, is being redeployed next month. I say, well, you don't want to have a surgery right before you leave me. So you might want to reestablish care. So that's the important thing about elective surgery, especially for some of these the conditions that I treat. Yeah, exactly. And just keep asking you questions. Find out so that you can together have the best plan. So right. I mean, I, I often tell patients when they leave the when they leave the visit, I say, look, when you when you get in the car, especially if they're w with a, a loved one, I say you're going to have questions. Mm -hmm. And I tell them this. I say. Don't turn to him or her and say, well, now, what did he say? Did he say this? Oh, no, he didn't. And then it, just call me right away. Just call me because then you're going to get home and you won't have the right, you may not have the right background. Okay. We have Joshua on the line for you right now. Joshua, thanks for calling. What's your question for Dr. Pizarro? Um, I smoked the baby and it's still got my throat. We can't hear you, Joshua. Can you speak up? Okay, we might need to try again later. Okay. 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 We're going to try again later on that. But while okay. we're on the subject of this, like this former patient who's going to come in see you, let's talk about what happens during the office visit, the initial office visit whether you already know they're gonna have surgery or they're just coming in for something that might potentially lead to surgery. The office visit is a, is a great opportunity to start making a plan. Not every patient that might need a surgery or want a surgery should have a surgery. Mm. And so often patients have, even if they don't want surgery, they may have been told by someone or they might have discovered through the internet that they need surgery. And often it's, that's an important opportunity to say, well, maybe surgery isn't right for you. A lot of patients are relieved by that. They'd rather not have surgery. So that's, that's an important time to make a plan. And the plan can be, well, let's meet again in two weeks. If you're undecided, we can discuss this again. Or I can give you my thoughts and call me. Or it might be, you know, surgery isn't really appropriate for you. I recommend this or this instead. If surgery is planned, then that's, again, a time to start discussing, well, what's the next step? And that next step might be some form of specialized testing, x-rays, or measurement procedures in, to, to help make the surgical plan safer, more accurate. It also might in involve a plan to call other, other clinicians or specialists and say, you know, um, I have this patient that I think might need surgery. I'm concerned about her heart. Can you maybe check out her heart and be sure that anesthesia is safe for surgery? Uh, the patient's safe for anesthesia is what I'm trying to say. And so it, the office visit is, is super important because it's, it's like anything else, a face-to-face -face discussion with, with proper evaluation. 
Okay, and then we also talk about elective, urgent, and emergency. So you're going to talk each one of those. So we, I think Joshua called back, but after that we can talk about each visit. I'm sure it's different between each category of surgery. Though, okay. Right? Okay. Joshua, do you have a question for the doctor? Um, I call for babies and down my Did you hear that? I couldn't really make I'm it. I'm sorry, Joshua. We couldn't understand your question. I smoked something and it went down my throat. It went down your throat? You, did you say you smoked? Yeah. Did you say you smoked and it went down your throat? Yeah. Okay. That sounds serious. That's not something I specialize in, but you, you need to get some medical attention if you smoked something and it went down your throat. That sounds, yeah. that sounds possibly dangerous. Yeah. So please, please call 911 maybe. Yeah. Okay. But thank you for calling, Joshua. I hope you get some help. Okay, and so let's talk about, if someone comes in, they talk to you about it's elected or then it's urgent or it's an emergency. So say someone has something that looks like it's an urgent surgery, how is that handled? An urgent surgery is one that can, doesn't necessarily have to be done right away, but you don't want to let it go more than a, a, a day or two. And um, there's a number of examples of that. And, and that's very much up to, up to what the, how the patient is doing and how well the patient can tolerate the condition. And you might want to put the patient in the hospital, watch her till the next day and get some tests perhaps. You know, maybe the patient isn't doing well from a cardiac standpoint and so it might be better to ha run heart tests and then plan the surgery the next night, something like that. Okay. Emergency is a surgery, I, I, again, I think of it as one where if I do the surgery, if I don't do the surgery now, this patient may either pass away mm -hmm. or might lose function. A good example in gynecology is an ectopic pregnancy, which right. is something I don't really, I don't do pregnancy related care anymore, but I used to all the time. And an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that's not where it's supposed to be. It's growing in the wrong place in a way that could possibly kill a mother. And so those pregnancies really, if it's a surgery, if surgery is indicated to treat that pregnancy, and not, it's not always necessary, but when it is, that can't wait. That has to be done that day or within the next few hours, or it could be potentially lethal to the mom. Right. So you hear ectopic. That means the baby is not in the uterus, not growing Correct. where it needs to be, and could be growing in a dangerous place that could hurt something else. Right. And, yeah. And so if something, this may be an off-the-wall question, but I'm hearing you with an is there urgent surgeries and all these surgeries are urgent or is some surgery might be urgent for one person but not for another person? That's a good question. I think that in general the, the nature of the urgent surgery or an emergency surgery is going to be the diagnosis mm -hmm. in general. But let's talk about what, I, what uh, the caller called about earlier, Carolyn. You can have a, a loss of strength in, in the pelvic area called prolapse. Many, many women have that and the vast majority of the time it's not treated with surgery. And in the vast majority of the times when it is treated with surgery, it's elective. But there are rare, very rare, and I think I've seen one case of this in my career since 1995 as a medical student, when it was an emergency and this patient needed an emergency surgery that day. So there can be, wow. I guess, rare examples on either end. I also suspect that there are cases of of emergency surgeries, maybe some of your general surgeons can say that they've had a patient with appendicitis that maybe could have waited a few days. I don't know if that's true, but there's always there's always gray areas. But as a rule, I would say that whether something's urgent, emergent, or elective falls under the the diagnosis itself. What's going on for that patient? How's she doing? Right, and when someone has practiced um, and seen as many patients you have and that dedicated, you kind of already have 
typically I'm saying this is typically urgent. So you're going to treat it like that first, and if it turns into an emergency, you you know to do that. It's important to have an approach to sure. things. And so if if uh, if it's clear to me that someone has a diagnosis, I might say, well, this patient surgery just isn't appropriate for her, or I can't offer surgery. It might be better to be done by an, another type of surgeon. This isn't something I really specialize in. And so that's where judgment experience and also a, a, a careful plan uh, all come into place. Which is a really another good point. We always talk about, we, we focus on a surgery that's happening and usually underlying conditions or other conditions, other illnesses might enhance whether it's urgent, emergency, or elective. But if you're the opposite of that, if someone comes to you and yours is the minimal condition mm -hmm. and the other one may be important like this their their women's health issue might be enhancing that but that's not really the problem that's when you can send them to someone else and say that's right this might have caught your attention but here's really what's going on I had a patient sent to me I want to say it was 12 years ago and the report was that this patient was not doing well which she wasn't and that the cause of it was that she had loss of support in her pelvis, which is what I specialize in. The patient had very terrible loss of support in her pelvis. There was no question about it. But what's the problem was that she had, well, she had a, what's called an aneurysm in her aorta, something that medical students diagnose all the time. Yeah. And I felt, I said, this can't be real because you hear about it and I'd, my whole career I'd never found it, but I said, this is what's going on. Long story short, that's what she had. We sent her straight down to the emergency room and she had management of that through something that I have no specialty in, in at all. But that's what was wrong with this patient. She was decompensating, poor, doing poorly. She was weak and, and she had actually an, a, a, a blood vessel problem. Uh, and I think it's important to, to try to treat the patient and say, look, it's really not this that's the problem. It, it might be this. And if it's my, my, something I specialize in, well, I'm not seeing anything scary now. So let's see if we can work this other out and maybe, and, and maybe we can refine your care. So I'll never forget that patient because um, I think the, 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 the chance to, if I'd simply focused on what I specialize in, I don't think things would have, would have gone as well. And to be frank, her condition, what I specialize in, we treated, treated it conservatively. She didn't need surgery for what I specialize in at all. She needed something completely different. She ended up getting a very complicated arterial surgery that I don't even, I'm not even smart enough to talk about it. I know you have some vascular surgeons on that, that, that do that kind of work. And it all goes together. So how blessed that she came to you for that, and but you thought, no, this is something, this is something else your, your is intuition on. and your knowledge was like, no, something else. So when that kind of thing happens, is, the, is it because the aneurysm is large and pushing or is it blood flow or muscles, the muscles aren't right. as strong? Well, I'm not an expert on, on the blood vessels, but I am smart enough yeah. in, uh, to know that in this patient in particular, the, the, art, the aorta, which is the big artery yeah. in the belly, just gets swollen mm -hmm. basically and it can lead to a lot of problems. Because I'm sure you see all, all kinds of causes for prolapse, right? Because there's all different things that cause that. Right. Well, the aorta has nothing to do with the prolapse. Right. right. And, Which and is so right. wonderful it's, that you caught that. Yeah, I was lucky. <laughs> I was lucky. <laughs> That's interesting. So what are the causes for prolapse? What are the different conditions that can cause prolapse? The number one long sort of initiating cause is going to be childbirth. Mm -hmm. Not every patient that has loss of strength and, and uh, a lot of weakness or loss of support of the pelvic area has had a child. Not everyone. But most of the time, that's true. And it's going to happen that the symptoms may start years after childbirth. It may start right away, but they, may, they often start years and years after childbirth. So mm -hmm. it's a remote cause. All right. And this may be an obvious question, but what is it about childbirth that 
that loosens the strength there that well, it just doesn't go back or I want I always think of it this way the the things that we do normally in our in, in the pelvis and that women do normally in the pelvis every day from using the restroom to sitting are in one way or another related to what's called the pelvic floor which is a group of muscles and connective tissues in the pelvis and there's a zero percent chance almost that especially at a nine-month pregnancy but any any pregnancy really of any of any uh, size where a d vaginal delivery takes place the baby the physical act of childbirth will damage those tissues damage the nerves and once again that damage may not be causing any symptoms right away but over time the damage the to those muscles and tissues will in many women lead to, to loss of strength loss of support and and just like that patient I mentioned where the tissues just essentially are completely without any support and, and fall through the pelvic area and you also see the flip side of that like someone has a very large baby and has the baby vaginally but never has a problem with prolapse all the time okay all the time so i was yeah. going to say i my baby weighed 11 pounds three and a half ounces it's, so it's there's those, the those things that yeah that sometimes it just it doesn't happen to everyone just because you had a large baby exactly which is good for everyone to know that it can happen but it doesn't mean that just because you have a large baby that there's going to have you know and either way right it's it's good to go into those exercises because you can strengthen the pelvic floor, right? You can strengthen it and and recondition it, and and there are treatments for that that don't require obviously surgery, and so physical therapy can be very effective for that. But when patients have tried something conservative, whatever that was, and it hasn't been effective, and if surgery will clearly make things better, that's when we talk about surgery. And the surgery for these kinds of uh, conditions, loss of strength uh, of, of the pelvis are complicated surgeries. The patient called earlier said that the, her surgery, I told her, was going to take seven hours. Maybe. <laughs> they take several hours for sure. They're complicated surgeries that have to be done, they have to be done right. And so you don't want to uh, offer those surgeries to someone who might have concerns about, like she did, her fibromyalgia might act up after the surgery. If she doesn't want to be suffering from a lot of pain afterwards, maybe the surgery isn't right for her. Right. On the other hand, if someone is doing well in general and wants to have an elective surgery like that, it, it's, it's worth exploring. Definitely. And this is a good lead into my next question. When we talk about um, asking specific questions, and so maybe a doctor will say the whole process that day may be seven hours, or the surgery itself may only be a few hours. So yeah. sometimes we may say in general, expect to be out of commission for, and I'm just using an example, sure. seven to 10 hours or whatever. So let's talk about um, so, so you schedule, my surgery is scheduled, it's elective. What are the things that you talk about and tell a woman to do to prepare leading up to going to the hospital or wherever it's going to be done? In general, when I, I would advise patients when they're trying to deal with a health condition, but especially leading up to surgery, maintain your health the best you can. Maintain nutrition, maintain good hydration, stay uh, as, as healthy as you can, ask questions, that's super important. I'll get touch on that in a second. Also, as the surgery is planned, there might be a need, like I said earlier, to run tests. There might be some x-rays that need to be done. There might be visits with other specialists to get their opinions to be sure that we're on the right track in, in the interim between the day that the surgery is scheduled and the day of surgery. Asking questions. There's good scientific data, and I'm, I'm not a research specialist, <laughs> but there's the, I know enough to say that there's a lot of scientific data that has shown clearly, and I've seen it in my experience as well, that when patients are well informed, and when they've been given the chance to ask questions, and when those questions are answered, and when patients feel like they know what's coming up, that their surgical outcomes are better with respect to pain, overall recovery, back to normal activity. And so I think that, that this is a, an important thing to do 
in preparing b between the time surgery is scheduled and the day of surgery. And then also I think getting, in a general sense, maintaining health, getting good sleep, checking with your loved ones about how they feel about things, and, and these things are also crucial. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I do believe that, and I'm sure you've seen this probably, that the frame of mind going into anything, especially a surgery, is so important, like you said. That's why we keep going back to just ask your doctor everything until you're relieved and you feel good about going. It's possible to go into surgery feeling really good about it. And, and do you think that, have you seen that? Does that play a big part in it's, how someone will do? It's fundamentally indispensable yeah. for patient for an elective surgery. Yes. Now, I don't do a lot of emergency surgery anymore. I think that's a different, very scary, very, very True. tenuous time. But in general, with elective surgery, this is something we've planned together. We're going in on this together, and I want to be sure patients feel like they're well-informed. And so I often ask patients uh, on the morning of surgery, I'll ask them, uh, how are you feeling? Almost always, either the patient or the nurse who's there with her, checking her in, in, in the operating, in the pre-surgery area, will say, "She's nervous," or "I'm nervous." That's healthy. Yeah. Because if you're nervous, it means you're paying attention. Because surgery can be risky. There's a lot of risks that go into surgery. Nervous is okay. A little anxious is okay. But then I ask them, "Well, are you scared?" I've n I think I've had one or two patients tell me that they're honestly scared. And if they're honestly scared of a surgery that can be postponed, then we need to talk about maybe this isn't the right thing for you. If you, you're scared, maybe you haven't, this isn't something that is right for you in the final analysis. But nervous is, nervous is normal. And they, uh, in general, when I ask, do you have any answered questions? The answer is no, you've answered everything. You've gone through everything. The nurses at the hospital at Willis Knight have gone through everything. And that's super important because otherwise you're leaving something out. I absolutely love what you just said about the difference in being nervous and scared. And even if like I was going to have this surgery and I was feeling really nervous, I was thinking I was scared. If I could call you and say, I'm nervous, I'm really nervous. And then you would say, are you nervous or are you scared? And right. there's a difference. And when you say that, you know, because you don't, don't have to deny that feeling, of course you're nervous. Right. You know, cause, because you're going into the unknown, but the doctor knows it all. The doctor is good. You're worrying about things that aren't in your hands. Right. But if you're scared, then talk to your doctor until maybe you just get down to nervous and that's okay. It's, it's good to bring it down to nervous. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes if the, if the patient's, uh, if I can tell the patient will we'll, we'll accept it, well, I'll say, well, I'm not nervous. <laughs> that's and a I, good. I mean, I'm not, and they'll say, well, do you have your breakfast? Yes, I had my breakfast and I'm not <laughs> nervous. And that's important too, to make sure, make patients as reassured as possible. Yeah, and that's a great thing. Another reason to call your doctor, just to alleviate anything. There's no silly call to you, right? No. Communication is super important. I don't think I've ever had a stupid question. No. I mean, seriously, that, that's a cliche thing to say. There's <laughs> no such thing as a stupid question. There really isn't because mm -hmm. you never know what will motivate a patient and help her understand things. Yeah, and you're going to have terminology that the patient might not have. You're going to know those key words to say you know, to calm them down and get them through it. And I, those I questions. hope so. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. So let's talk, you wanna talk about either during surgery or after surgery, what to expect, how about after surgery? Or? After surgery, uh, what I tell patients for my, for in, in my in my experiences, in general, you're gonna be sore, you're gonna be tired, but you should see improvement, 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 day by day, minute by minute. You should be able to look back and say, I'm better today than I was last week. And of course, uh, when they leave the hospital, I give them a full list of instructions that's pretty comprehensive 
things to look out for, things to do, things not to do, and they're all pretty common sense stuff. You know, maintain your nutrition, call me with questions, and then of course I always have my phone number available for them to call and expect them to call me or see me if there's any concerns. Okay, and that's a good point too. Just you don't have to feel well right away, but just feel better each day. Are you feeling better? Just say, I'm gonna feel better, I'm gonna feel better. And that's a good checkpoint. If I'm not feeling better, you know, even like a couple of days later, if I'm just not feeling better and I, I wanna call you, I just need to call you and say, and just say that, don't tell people that too. Just don't try to formulate the, the words, you know, that you might think the doctor wanted, just say it. Just yes. say exactly how you're feeling. I'm not, I'm not better. That's right, something's wrong. And, yeah. and if there's something wrong, we need to address it. And, and sometimes patients may not be feeling well, but there's nothing worrisome going on. And that's when we can monitor things conservatively. But, but that's what I, the way I like to say, it, that's not the patient's job to know if something's uh, definitely needs to be, I, I need to be part of that. If something, somebody's worried, they need to tell me. I've had patients tell me, I was sick a couple weeks ago and I didn't, well, why didn't you call me? You know, let me know. And of course it, it went well, but I need to hear about these things. And I think most surgeons feel the same. They wanna know what's going on. Yeah. I don't want to bother the doctor. I don't want to do that. But do you think before we close that we all have that intuition? We all know our bodies. We all have that voice is telling us something just doesn't feel quite right. And even if we call you and say this is what's going on, you're like, it's totally fine. Call. That's trust, what you want to hear. Trust your instincts. Trust your instincts. Listen to your body. But also remember, if you've had surgery, things are a little different. Your, yeah. your, your things should be, uh, your, the questions should be asked. Right. So you just have an inkling call and ask the doctor. For sure. All right. What would you like to leave us with today? It's been so informative, and we thank you so much. What would you like our viewers to know most of all about what we talked about today? I think the most uh, valuable thing for patients to know as they're going through the journey with surgery and before, during, and after is to communicate well, be sure your questions are answered, have a clear plan, and also understand whether surgery is right for you or whether it's not before making a decision. And the, I think possibly uh, the most important thing is l have a clear understanding of your health from A to Z. Right, and especially with elective surgery, it's a, a right up until you have the surgery, you still have time to really talk and ask if it's okay to change your mind. You Absolutely. just keep talking to your doctor and ask what's going on. Yeah, without question. Yeah. When, when, when patients plan surgery, they're in control, I hope. They're in control. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. It's a real it. pleasure. Thank you. Sure. And everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you have a lovely afternoon, and we will see you next time on Healthline 3.